0: You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimen podcast. Well, what is up, Trace Church? I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online today. We're only meeting online today, so thanks for tuning in. And maybe you're tuning in at a later time. And if that's you, man, we're incredibly excited to invite you into an all-important conversation today on mental health. And before we get there, I just want to say a couple things really quick. On the onset of this pandemic, we determined that as leaders in this church, we wanted to be helpful. Like we truly wanted to be helpful. We we didn't just want to do things to do our Christian charity where it's like, hey, we, we did something good. We truly wanted to be helpful. We wanted to meet you exactly where you're at and be as helpful as we possibly could as a church. And that's why we're actually having the conversation that we're having today on the subject of mental health. You may heard me you maybe remember me sharing this a few weeks back, where I said before the pandemic that one on average, one in five Americans would experience some kind of mental health crisis in any given year. But since the pandemic, it's become more like one in two. In other words, it's either you or it's the person beside you. which is exactly why we've invited my good friend Dr. T, Dr. Trent, to be with us today to talk about the subject. Of mental health, Doctor T, dude, so good to have so you. So good to be here, man. Yeah, man.
1: Uh, you're exactly right, Aaron. Mental health, just a huge, huge issue. Uh, it has been a huge issue. Yeah. But uh, given the current time and history that we're living through, uh, as you have said, 50% of American citizens are really struggling with mental health issues. And so I've spent the better part of my life uh, studying how to help men and women who are struggling uh, with their mental health. Before I get too far into that, I want to share just a little bit of my story so that our audience this morning ha- has a little bit of context. Sure. Um, <laughs> The the short version of my personal testimony is that I was a really, really broken, messed up dude without any hope, and after Jesus Christ transformed my life, I'm still a pretty broken, messed up dude, but now I got a whole lot of hope. I can attest to that. Uh, yeah, that's right. So would my wife, by the way. I'm... I'm happily married to my beautiful bride, Kirsten, who's at home. We've got three wonderful children, Adrian, Kyra, and Judah. And for the last 10 years, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to um, run and own and operate inpatient transitional living homes, outpatient mental health counseling agencies, and uh, pastored a wonderful church uh, full of wonderful people with great leadership. It was truly one of the greatest joys in my life. But here's what's really interesting about that. Um, over the course of my uh, tenure as a minister and as a clinic director and business owner, uh, despite the fact that I'm educated in the field of mental health, uh, I battled pretty severe uh, clinical depression uh, for a number of years. And so what what I'm going to share today uh, with the people who are tuning in uh, is based on a lot of professional training and experience, but also a lot of just personal in the trenches, kind of valley of the shadow work that God's done in my heart and in my life. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to share.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I actually think that's what allows your voice to be unique. Not only are you educated, uh, but you've gone through your own personal battles with this and can speak from a, a place of transparency and a place of experienced wisdom. On the subject and so man when we were talking and prep- preparing for this conversation you told me a story about the importance of human connection and you use this this story from orphanages in romania and i think that would be a great way to to emphasize how important that is and kind of the time frame and the season that we find ourselves in with diminishing human connection like Tell us that story, however briefly you want to tell it, and just lead into the importance of human connection and how it plays a role in mental illness.
1: So I'll I'll preface that a little bit by saying human beings were designed by God to function in sort of multiple areas all at once. You know, we're physiological beings. Uh, There's chemicals and structures in our body that kind of help us do what it is that we do every day. We're spiritual beings, And our spiritual life has a huge influence on who we are and what we do and how we think. We're also cognitive beings. We're designed by God with an intellect and the capacity for reason. We're emotional beings and we're relational beings. And um, I really felt God impress upon my heart to speak about human attachment and the importance of human relationships. And I would say, Aaron, that maybe no other area of a human being's life influences those five areas of our design like human connection. Uh, but, but in my field, it's really, really hard to study human connection because no human beings want to volunteer to be put in a room and isolated for 15 years and then measured on all those different levels and see to what extent they've changed. Uh, So, the Romanian orphanages are kind of a uh, really critical moment in the history of my field. In the late 80s, I'll try to keep this brief, there was a dictator who developed policies in Romania to try to promote economic success in in that nation. And the way he intended on doing that was just to increase the population of Romania. And what ended up happening is people did uh, have lots of kids and the population of the country really increased, but it increased beyond the capacity of what people could uh, afford. And so the Romanian orphanages were overpopulated significantly. Uh, Many nations knew that this was a big problem, but we really didn't know how severe the problem was until this dictator was overthrown. And what we found is that children in these orphanages had adequate shelter, they had adequate hygiene, they had adequate nutrition, but they were dramatically underconnected to their primary caregiver. And it had a really negative influence in the lives of those children, Aaron, to the extent that children were passing away, despite having adequate shelter, nutrition, and, and um, hygiene, simply because they were totally isolated and disconnected socially. And so we, we, we for years then in my field understood the importance of human connection as it was validated in those studies that came out of the Romanian tragedy and orphanages there. But what we thought for a long time is that the need for human beings to connect actually diminished over time. So the more independent individuals became, the more developed their brains became, uh, the more capacity they had to reason, the less we sort of felt like human beings needed to be connected. And what we've realized in the last two decades or so is that not only does the need to connect not change over time, but the lack of connection can, be, can significantly influence our health and at times, Aaron, it can even be fatal. And so what, 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 what happens often is that people describe their disconnect from others in terms of pain. It's unusual for somebody to show up to my office and say, Trent, I feel really isolated or "I'm I'm deprived of meaningful emotional connection. What people come to my office and describe is, I'm really struggling with depression. Or the anxiety that I, that I feel is just overwhelming, and I can't seem to cope with it very well. Or my mood has been really irrational and impulsive, and I'm making decisions that I'm just not thinking through, and it's getting me in situations that are really, really challenging for me to get out of. And and what's happening in those situations, Aaron, are, is that the individuals who are coming to my office are actually seeking to relieve the pain that they feel from lack of connection to others. Uh, and, And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that a person hasn't had any social interaction Sometimes it's that they're in the middle of a crowded room and they're still feeling disconnected. And so, uh, given the given the fact that we have been in quarantine, which means we've been isolated, and that that has been sustained over a longer period of time, than I think any of us thought we would be isolated. Uh, lots of people are struggling in in some of those areas that I mentioned, or even in all of them, simply because they're disconnected more now than they have been in a long time.
0: Yeah. Um. And, you know, we've (laughs) we've said this from the beginning, like we don't want to sit here and just talk about uh, doom and gloom. And I'm not even talking about our conversation, just talking about as a church. But at the same time, we don't want to be those people that cast like false optimism. And the way that I have described it and I'll probably continue to describe it is we're probably headed into a storm that's going to get worse before it gets better. Right. This storm is growing. And so out of no fault of our own and the people that are watching, we're probably headed into a season where human disconnection is going to increase. And so what would you encourage us to do during a time, again, where we probably want the connection, we, we want to feel um, like we've got relationships that are growing deeper, but because of the season we're in, it's going to be very difficult for that to happen. And so what would you tell us, like, going into a season where human, human connection is going to be decreased? Like, what? how would you encourage us during this time?
1: Yeah, so one thing I want to emphasize that you just said is that phrase, no fault of our own, right? There's nobody that uh, woke up one day and thought, man, I'd like to be in the middle of a global pandemic, and I think I'm just going to isolate myself spontaneously from the rest of the world for six months or longer. Uh, and that so often is, is how life works. You know, so often uh, we find ourselves in situations that we didn't necessarily cause. Sometimes we cause our own uh, difficult situation, but often that's not the case, and that feels like the case here. It's not, it's not our fault that lots of us feel isolated. And one of the things that I really feel like is important for us to bear in mind is that if we are struggling as Christians, that's not a comment on... Uh, and, I, and I really do want our audience to tune in right here because God really dealt with me powerfully on this as we were kind of talking through this lesson. But if you're struggling if you're in your living room right now and you're hurting and you're seeking after, uh, after relief, you're begging God to relieve your pain, often the enemy is whispering in your ear lies. And what the enemy is saying is you're no good, your faith is weak, you don't know how to pray, God doesn't care about you if you only had more faith, if you could only pray more, if you only read your Bible more, if you only fasted more, if you only did more. And I, I, I wanna tell you that those are lies from the pits of hell itself. And one reason I wanted to share kind of my own struggle with depression in ministry is because that's the same stuff that the enemy was whispering into my ear. Trench you're no good, trench you're worthless, trench your faith isn't strong enough, trench your spiritual disciplines aren't disciplined enough, you're not a mature enough Christian. And, And none of those things were true. And I was with a group of Christians a couple of months ago and, and I was doing a, 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 some group work with these individuals and a couple of them spoke up and, and they said, uh, Dr. T, I don't see how Christians can struggle with things like major depressive disorder or anxiety disorder. And uh, my response to them, which was in love, is that God designed our brains the way that they are and in, in situations of sustained stress or disconnect, or frustration, or sadness, Aaron, our brain's chemistry actually changes. And so we use terms colloquially like I feel depressed, or I'm really stressed out, or man, my anxiety is out of control. And those, the colloquial kind of everyday use of those terms really shouldn't be confused with the clinical definition of those terms. And so if you're out there today and, and the enemy is beating you up, and saying it's your problem, your faith is weak, your prayer life is weak, or if you're beating yourself up, then this this lesson today really is for you. And you asked a really good question. What are what are some of the things we can do to kind of promote some healing uh, in our lives that really is a result of this disconnect? That's nobody's fault. And I want to just reference Matthew 22 really quickly. Jesus is asked what the greatest command is. And he says in verse 37, the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and mind and strength. And and then he said, the second is just like it. Uh, It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if if we'll live out, even in the midst of quarantine, even in in the midst of a lot of uh, potentially uh, painful emotional um, experience or, or painful relational experience, if we will really seek to love God with our whole being, and seek in whatever capacity we can to connect to our neighbor, uh, whoever that individual may be. That's a really great starting point to begin our healing journey.
0: That's good. I want to pick on something that you said... A second ago, because unfortunately, this is a much bigger problem in the church from my observations. I have felt like I preached several sermons on this before in the past. But you talked about that group of Christians who uh, made that statement, where it's like I can't see how major depressive, you know, disorder or you know, high levels of anxiety can ex- exist in a Christian's life. And ultimately, what they're saying is. Those, you know, if you have enough faith, if you know who Jesus is, if, you you know, if your faith and your prayer life is where it should be, then you shouldn't struggle with these things. And I know we throw around things that God never said. We make the Bible say something that we, that the Bible never actually said things like, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. Right. And, um, that's a misquote from first Corinthians chapter 13, where God says, he'll never allow you to be tempted more than what you can bear. And so when people hear these phrases like, oh, well, God will never give you more than you can handle, but the person watching is right right now feeling, yeah. but I can't handle, I can't handle this. But when we say those kind of phrases and when we have Christian leaders that kind of position or posture themselves to say, uh, well, a Christian should never struggle with these things because A, B, and C, then that person walks away feeling defeated. They feel like they're the weak one, that there's something wrong with them. And if you ask me, that only leads to, the disorder, well, maybe not the disorder, but that leads to the depression or the anxiety just getting worse because now it's me. It must be my problem in talking about those lies from the enemy. I couldn't agree more where, man, he feeds off of those things. Yeah. Keep going down that path of it is you. And that's why one of the statements we make around here all the time is most of us are like the rest of us, because as soon as the enemy can, can, um, convinces you, this is your problem, right? Then he's won a huge victory. And that just sends us in that spiral to go to go even lower.
1: Yeah. uh, Just to comment, you know, in second Corinthians chapter one, the apostle Paul, the spiritual disciplines master, the guy who wrote most of the new Testament started most of the new Testament churches. Um, he actually says in second Corinthians chapter one, that when he was in the province of Asia, he experienced such despair. He wished his life was over and this is the guy that of all people that have walked the earth, we would vote him most likely to not struggle with feelings of despair, given his powerful connection with God and the powerful ministry that God uh, uh, called him to through the Holy Spirit. So that's really, really important to just make sure our audience realizes. Um, and, and the second thing I guess I would say and comment to that is one of the main things I do as a, as a counselor is is try to investigate uh, unhealthy underlying belief systems that negatively influence people's well being, and often those uh, unhealthy belief systems are the result of painful experiences repeated over time from a very, very early age. Things like childhood sexual abuse or domestic violence or growing up in an alcoholic or or uh, substance-using home, um, experiencing some abandonment pain early in life. What, What often happens, and the enemy really attacks people this way, is he repeats the same theme of pain over and over and over and over and over again. And unfortunately, comments like the one you just mentioned, that uh, God will never give you more than you can handle, unfortunately, that those kinds of statements occur in churches from time to time, often that just reinforces people's sense of inadequacy, worthlessness, insignificance, and shame. And so uh, that's not what the Scriptures teach. What the Scriptures do teach is that while in life you may get more than you can handle, You will never, ever find yourself in a situation that is too big for God to handle. And that's a really critical uh, uh, concept to begin to wrap our minds around as as men and women who are followers of Jesus Christ. That's good, man.
0: Um, I want to transition a little bit and talk about, because when you and I were talking about uh, the power of thought, like I'm sitting, I'm thinking. I'm like, man, this is true in my own life right now. Just so where my thoughts have gone, I'm not afraid to tell you that this has been an incredibly discouraging season to lead through. I feel like God's given me a breakthrough to some extent here recently, and just kind of helped me to get my eye on the prize. And I'll be talking to our church more about that later. And it really revolves around uh, what story do you want to be able to tell on the other side of this? Because all of us will tell a story, but it's what we do now that will determine the kind of story we get to tell. And that's for another day, for another sermon. But what I want to talk about now is the power of thought because um, we're likely, and again, I'm always careful because it's like, I don't want to lead us somewhere that just seems dark and inevitable because some people may thrive through this, who knows? But to a great extent, I think a lot of people are going to experience despair, right? To a great extent, extent, I believe a lot of us and a lot of you are going to experience some despair in this season. Again, I think we're headed into a storm that's only growing as we speak. And so, with that being said, there is a lot. There's a lot to be said about the power of thought during this time. Will you just speak into that? Yeah,
1: thanks so much. So, Aaron, you're exactly right. And the scriptures teach us the principle of the significance of our thoughts. And there's multi- multiple uh, scriptures we could reference: Philippians chapter four, verse eight; Second Corinthians chapter ten, and verse five; Romans chapter twelve, verses one and two. And the theme of those scriptures. Is that is that God, by the, the Holy Spirit's power, and incidentally, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead is the spirit that lives in those of us who have surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the teaching of Romans eight eleven. And when that, when that spirit lives in us, what the scriptures teach us about our thought life is is absolutely true, and it's absolutely possible that we can take every thought captive. And by the power of the Spirit, we can focus our minds on whatsoever things are tr- true, noble, righteous, praiseworthy, lovely, excellent, or of good report. Uh, w- we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and so uh, in, in neuroscience research, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but what we now know is that in the human brain, thoughts become chemicals. And those chemicals then influence more of the same type of thoughts. And those thoughts then influence more of the same type of chemicals being released. And so we can actually start kind of a cascade in in a direction that sort of leads to peace and joy or in a direction that seems to kind of lead to hopelessness and despair, all, all based around what type of thoughts That we think. And this is from the scriptures. So this is Dr. T teaching biblical truths that align with the current research in my field. And so it's while it might be true, Aaron, that that we can't control every thought that pops into our brain, without question, we can control how long we think about a particular thought. And what we know based on the research is that thoughts that are hopeless in nature or despair promoting in nature are going to release chemicals that in turn make us feel more hopeless and in despair that end up make us making us ruminate on thoughts that are more hopeless and, uh, and despairing. Yeah, it sounds like it's a vicious cycle. It is.
0: It's yeah. a vicious cycle. So I have no doubt, again, based on my own experience, like somebody either watching now or tuning in later is in the middle of that. Somebody right now is experiencing thoughts that are just spiraling them towards maybe behaviors that will be even more unhealthy, that will continue in that vicious cycle, whether it's uh, escapism that comes through addictions and other things. So what would you say to that person right now that they're truly, like, their mind is a battlefield What would you say to that person that is watching or listening today that is in the middle of that spiraling out of control when it comes to their thoughts?
1: Uh, First, I would want to tell that person, thank you so much for putting in what I honestly believe to be a monumental amount of effort to getting out of bed and tuning into the lesson today. I'm proud of your effort. God sees it. He is with you in your living room or vehicle or coffee shop or wherever you're at. He will never forsake you, and and he'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, I often encourage the people I get to work with to do three things or kind of stop doing three things. I call it start, keep, stop there's some things that I think that individual can start doing. There are some things I would want that individual to keep doing. And there are some things I'd want that individual to stop doing. So what I would want that individual to start doing is just to become aware of what that person is telling themselves about themselves or about their situation. And often we've got this sort of conscience you know kind of an inner voice in our mind that's either really just critical of us and critical of our situation and critical of others or or really kind of benevolently oriented towards those things and 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 most people are not aware of what that voice is telling them again about themselves their situation or or about others and so i would want people to really get acutely aware of that that's the first step is just be aware of what that inner voice is saying the second thing to start doing is start encouraging someone else. So often when we're feeling down or in despair, the last thing we feel like we've got the energy to do is invest in someone. And ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't take much. A text to somebody you care about, a phone call, a message through social media, maybe leaving a gift or a card on their doorstep. All of those are things we can do in the middle of a really unique season in history. And often, and the scriptures do teach, when we love someone else, our spirit is edified and we feel some peace about. That So things to start doing, really get aware of of what you're telling yourself, and really be intentional about encouraging others. Some things to keep doing, and this is really, really critical. Many of you are relentlessly pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ as though your life depends on it. That is the number one most important thing you can do to promote your mental health, and God will work through your pursuit of him to satisfy your longings and your heart's greatest desires. So keep pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ as though your life absolutely depended on it. The second thing I wanna mention, and this is something our audience already knows, is that the spiritual disciplines work. They just don't pay off all the time immediately. And so I want to encourage our audience to just keep plowing through the spiritually disciplined life. We talk about that in my house as the way of the cross. Uh, And I don't have anything more profound to say than just keep praying. Keep singing praises to the living God who loves you. Uh, keep studying God's word. Keep loving on God's people. Keep showing up, whether it's online or, or in person, whenever we can get back to that, to corporate worship and worshiping together, uh, whether it's remote or in person, uh, with the people of God. All of those kinds of things have a cumulative effect that does make a difference. There are a couple of things that everybody should stop doing, and I feel like this is really, really critical. The first thing you should stop doing is, is please Stop comparing yourself to everybody else. I was reading some research on the nature of comparison. And yes, it's true that comparison is the thief of joy. But here's why that's true. So often the people that are most visible in society are the people who are the best at what they do. And so they're putting it all over social media and news outlets that they're good at what they do. And we then compare ourselves to top performers in whatever area it is that we're comparing ourselves. In. And there's no way for, for me to compete with the stud football players or weightlifters or preachers uh, all across the world. The best person to compare ourselves to is the man or woman that we were a few weeks ago. Not necessarily yesterday because so often growth and progress fluctuates on a daily basis, but compare yourself to who you were a few weeks ago. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. So that's really, really critical. And the second thing I wanna encourage people to stop doing, and this is really important too, is stop allowing the enemy to take dominion in your life that is God's territory. Uh, Your mind, your heart, your family, your relationships, your physical health, and your mental health are God's territory. And so often what, what happens when we're in a season of struggle is we're either living in the past, which is God's territory, or we're living in the future, which is God's territory, And instead of listening to what God says about either of those territories, we end up listening to what the enemy says about either of those territories. A really great way to know if you're living in the past is if you feel a lot of regret, guilt, or shame. Those are the emotions that the individuals and families I get to work with commonly describe when what's happening is they're living in some really uh, difficult season in the past. A really good way to assess whether or not you're living too far in the future is if you feel fear, worry, or uncertainty. And I want our audience, audience to know God has redeemed both of those territories for you to all of those of you who are in Christ Jesus. So live in today, this is the day God has given us, Let's allow ourselves to relentlessly pursue Jesus Christ, uh, to really, really practice spiritual disciplines and trust that God is in control of our lives, Aaron. That's good, my man. Uh, One of the things
0: that I would say on that comparison, I believe I heard someone else say this. I try not to take credit for things if I didn't say it, but um, the quickest way to kill what the Spirit of God is doing in your life is to compare it to somebody else. The quickest way to kill what God is doing or wants to do in your life is to compare it to someone else. Well, man, I can't say enough how much we appreciate you today. One more really important question. Are the saints going to win? Today. That's huge. Saints are going <laughs> to beat the
1: Bucks. It's going to be a blowout. Drew Brees will prove himself to be the greatest quarterback of all time. We'll see you can, if you're a You heard it here first. We'll, yeah. we'll
0: see if you're a prophet or not. Well, hey, if you want to continue to go deeper on this subject, we have something at, at, here at Trace. Many of you are aware of this. If you're not, just comment on whatever platform that you're watching on uh, right now. But it's called Right Now Media. And we have resources that will allow you to go deeper into the subject of mental health. And so some of you want to dig in on specific things like anxiety or maybe depression. And so feel free to tune into that again. If you don't know what I'm saying, if you don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to Right Now Media, just comment in whatever platform that you're watching and we'll get you the link. It's just a link that you can click on and you can go to our Trace Right Now Media page that allows you to go deeper on subjects like mental health. Well, next week we're kicking off a new series called Me and My Big Fat Mouth. And I don't know if there were ever a time uh, in our culture where we need to be more careful with the things that we're allowing ourselves to say, whether it's the... The stuff going on with politics, whether it's your opinion on mass, whether it's your opinion on, you know, what churches are doing and what we're doing, whatever it may be. uh, We know that we need to be careful what we say and what we often say, again, what Jesus says is actually coming from our heart. And so we need to evaluate our heart, which is exactly what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks. So we want you to come next week. We're going to be meeting in person as far as we know. And so we're back to 930. In 11 a.m. We hope that you come and join us in person. We think this is going to be an incredibly valuable time. also want to let you know that moving forward, we're going to start having what we call two minutes with Dr. T. And so for different things that could be helpful uh, in a season that is difficult, in a season where we do have a less human connection, where we potentially are feeling more despair, uh, we not only wanted to have this conversation today, but moving forward, we wanted to give you two minutes with Dr. T each week to just kind of Um, allow you to have a a little, almost like a dash of adrenaline or whatever it is that you need uh, to help you to get through your week. And so just be looking forward to that. We'll have that on our social media feeds as well. Well, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to talk about this subject. God, I'm so grateful that you've allowed Dr. T to come in our direction and that he's a part of our, our Trace family now. And Father, I pray that you continue to use his voice, his influence, his education, to be leveraged for your kingdom. And Father, we pray that the things that have been spoken today are helpful, God, that you would take through the power of your Holy Spirit, take them to the people that need to hear them the most. And so, Father, as we uh, continue to navigate through this storm, uh, remind us, God, that there are things that you can teach us now that you might not be able to teach later because now we need you in different ways. Now we need you in new ways. Now we have an opportunity to seek you in ways that we've never sought you out before. So, God, continue to show us uh, that there's a window of time right now where you can reveal yourself to us in new ways. And, God, we want to keep, just as Trent said, we want to keep looking to Jesus above everything and anything else. We pray that in his name. Amen. We'll see you guys next week.